Hello, welcome to Defense Humanity. This is Osteris Oz Miller. Uh, today, we're talking with Cal DeBell about net neutrality and history, other things. We'll get to it, okay? Cal is a good friend, and he's going to introduce himself. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Kyle DeBell. I am a librarian, and uh, uh, I'm an academic librarian. And basically what that means is, is I work in a college library. Um, I'm a teacher librarian as well. I essentially uh, teach classes on how to use the library's resources, how to become more information literate. So I try to teach information literacy concepts. Um, lately, I've been focusing on more web literacy, uh, especially now. Uh, it's a pretty important uh, skill set to have, being able to, you know, distinguish between good and bad information. Um, so, um, yeah, that's basically what I do. I've been a librarian now for about four and a half years. Um, and I like it a lot. Um, it kind of combines all my interests, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's a, I, th I think a large part about being a librarian is the fact that you kind of have to know a lot. You have to know a little about a lot of different subjects. Mm. And I think that kind of fits uh, perfectly with my personality. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And um, Kyle, you are a historian as well as having your master's in library science and information technology. Mm -hmm. You have a BA in history. Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that makes Kyle perfect for this episode. <laughs> okay. So first thing we're going to establish what net neutrality is. So net neutrality, right, is a standing thing. It's sort of a, it was a prima facie thing. So until otherwise overruled, net neutrality was just the basis for the internet. So all services streamed, uh, regardless, all websites had the same amount of bandwidth that come over a, um, a provider services to the limit of the internet, right? But after the repeal, the recent repeals, it is now able to be metered by different um, conglomerates, so Comcast, AT&T, and they prioritize their own. So they have Hulu, and then AT&T owns DirecTV. So if you have the DirecTV um, streaming service, it's prioritized over Netflix and Hulu and other ones. And then I think um, Verizon might have something called 90Go or Go90, mm -hmm. something like that. So it just makes the anonymity or the the streaming capabilities of all that was equal no longer. So that's basically what net neutrality is. And its repeal um, clearly makes it so where it's more polarizing and where the, the, the landscape of the Internet and our traversing it mm -hmm. is just incredibly different. Yeah. To me, it's it kind of sounds like, you know like in the sixties, like when television had kind of been around for a while mm -hmm. and then all the networks were kind of, you know, were kind of being, um, what's the word? Um, they were kind of being, uh, succumbed to these major kind of entities basically, you know, so you would have like, um, you know, several different networks owned by one kind of like conglomerate mm -hmm. essentially. It almost kind of reminds me of that okay. in a way, but okay. But different because obviously yeah, the yeah. way our interaction with the internet or with the internet was much much different than our interaction with television. Yeah, so. yeah. So so the that that is cool or interesting how that with the television it was 
one large entity or like an oligarchy of entities that controlled all of the, it's not called streaming. I sound really young saying streaming, but <laughs> all of the broadcasting. And it's incredibly interesting that now it's the same kind of oligarchy with AT&T, who has been around basically since the inception of telecom. Yeah, true. And with Comcast, who's Verizon, of course. And it, even though technically speaking, there are other streaming services that could also do this, they can't sort of win the bidding war. There's a caps and trade system to it. So it's like the Chicago uh, trade, stock trade. There's no way that the smaller services can sort of get to the point where they could have this kind of control. Mm -hmm. Whereas AT&T and Comcast in the United States have nearly supreme control. So, and they can avoid through their subsidiaries being busted like as a, as trust or as right. giant monopolies because they, they so cleverly moved around, they have lobbies. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it really is. It's, um, it's a weird time. And it's, uh, and it, it, it to me, it, what something that, in, that interests me about it is, you know, for the longest time, the internet's been kind of touted as this, you know, space where anyone can do whatever they want as far as like, you know, what they post and what they, and, you know, the kind of content they share online. And now that's a little less mm. free in a way, Indeed. you know, Indeed. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it just, in, in a depressing way, it's kind of like the powers that be always kind of find yeah, a way yeah. to, you know, um, bring, bring things under their, um, or you bring things on, you know, into their kind of sphere of influence, so to speak. Absolutely. But, yeah. <laughs> and even though it looks, it looks like we're moving towards pure capitalism with that, right. Allowing the, the service providers to freely bid for it or sort of restrict things, opening a free market. Yeah. It, it is the negation of the absolute control of the, of the FCC mm -hmm. um, that makes it less um, free for the individual, sure. for the population who would just be deemed as statistics or masses. It makes it look more authoritarian, right? Um, like falling back on the old ways whenever Rockefeller and Carnegie were there. Sure. Like you could say something, but you're nothing without giant unions. Like as yeah. an individual, you can, you can do nothing. You could stop paying for it, but $8 a month to Netflix in order to, it's not Netflix's fault that this is happening or even not switching providers, then yeah. your new provider is probably doing the same thing to another streaming service that someone else uses. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of difficult to move through this new, new working. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Well, let's throw in some communication. <laughs> so we have Marshall McLuhan and the globalized village, which was in existence from early forms of communication. So we had, I guess, from the telegraph to television, which is one-sided. So we watch it okay, and then we can't communicate through it. So it's broadcast, sort of like streaming, if the people don't know what television is, but I'm, I'm sure someone out there does. <laughs> but yeah, the, the globalized village allows us all to connect with each other. So and, just real quick, with the, mm -hmm. so with the globalized village, because I'm I'm not as familiar with McClone. Mm -hmm. Um with the globalized village, does does he only really go back to like the invention of um 
Um, um, shoot. The Telegraph? Yes. Yeah. No, Does no, no. He, okay. So, so the, the, the globalized village or the global village rather is, is sort of an idea that, okay. that and it, it, in order to resist technological determinism, it has always been in place just in, as like in its inception. Sure. Uh, we could take it back all the way to Germany with the printing press or even China with standardization of um, the written language. So it, the global village can exist everywhere to avoid relativism or to avoid um, technological determinism. Okay. But the big, the big swinging apparatus of the global village happens with telecom. So we have cinema and then we have television at home. Okay. Then okay. Phones, then cell phones. Right. And streaming, then right. news, then news on the internet, then the internet, the internet itself is the massive thing. And Marshall McLuhan lived to see it. He, he lived to see the internet exists. Right. And then it's almost as though Marshall McLuhan predicted that, that humans, right? Technology doesn't determine how humans use the medium to communicate. Huh. Humans uh, devise the means to better communicate with all of us because humans are... We, we are explorers, we are communicators. This is what we do. So in order to maintain a connection with, let's say our brothers and sisters everywhere, we, we devise the media in order to make ourselves a global village. So it's okay. no longer on the small scale. We're no longer in tiny town of London. We're, we're in the, the massive world. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah, so the repeal, it makes it a little bit more difficult to sort of, stream media because what if the only way that i get um let's say um nigerian cinema is through netflix it's limitation and slowing of it down right even though it's available in the american market of netflix makes it a little bit more difficult for me to connect to that cinema right right yeah wow yeah so it's it's just showing that even though the government is sort of Laissez-faire about it, like letting the companies do what they want. Sure. It's it's action through inaction. It's still a form of authoritarianism because in in Nazi Germany, through fascism, yeah. Uh, even though the government existed and it was technically extremely far left, there is still that that amount of control. Oh, it's yeah. Not, it's not communism, right? Where the government controls absolutely everything for the equality of the people right it's it's the most liberal form but somehow the government is still in complete control of every industry yeah yeah, yeah. it's 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 weird it's um it's this idea where um you know it's it's this this idea of basically allowing um allow allowing this kind of freedom to a certain extent, as long as you kind of buy into this, you know, form of, um, uh, you know, this, as long as you let the government control everything else, like mm. how you're supposed to step in line and all that. And Absolutely. I guess, you know, you can kind of make an argument for, for this situation, you know, um, you know, net, net neutrality and how that's been kind of, you know, um, just, it makes it, it makes it a little bit harder uh, so to speak. Um, 
there, there was something that I want to get back to that uh, earlier you're talking about mm-hmm. um, McLuhan. You said that he he lived to see um, the internet. Did he live to see it like in its infancy, or or did he live to see it? Um, uh, what you call it? Like, did he live to see it like in, like in the current state that it's? He, he lived until 1980. So oh, in, so he okay. Yes, yeah, so the so very very very, very yeah. first. So it was past peer to peer network, but it wasn't this massive machine across the entire world right 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 yeah, right he 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 saw it right so he wow. saw what it could become he knew that once it started right, even though he had already sort of coined his term global village he he knew that once it had already started okay that it was like a train without brakes he knew it was gonna yeah gonna become prevalent and it makes you wonder where we kind of go from here you know as far as you know what the next big medium is going to be you know communication medium so to speak i mean it really makes you it makes you wonder um indeed because you know um i'm glad you said that yeah because everyone it's it's always this thing like oh myspace this is a new thing yeah this is never going away (laughs) then facebook this is this is so many people use facebook it can never go away and it's facebook still exists obviously myspace i think their page is still active but I don't think anyone actually uses MySpace. I I don't know anyone who uses MySpace or I anymore. I don't I don't yeah. know anyone who still has their um, account who knows their account well, information. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because I want to say about a year or two ago they actually deleted a lot of the accounts mm-hmm. like that people signed up with back when it started. Because I want to say it started in like the mid two thousands, the mid aughts. I want to say maybe like maybe slightly before that. Because um, I'm. A little bit older than you are, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, that I I was in high school okay. when MySpace okay. became the big thing, and um, yeah, I remember that. Um, and everyone was like, "This is just revolutionary." But absolutely. But continue because I like where you were going. I I, I just had that. No, no, thought. no. I'm yeah. glad you did. Yeah. Um. So then we had Facebook, which is still around, but sure. You, whenever I meet people, whenever I'm traveling, sometimes. I don't even think about Facebook. What is your Instagram? Or they'll ask me, what's sure. your Instagram? Yeah. Like before, whenever I traveled as a younger person, it would always be, oh, are you on Facebook? Because like, that's the, that's the global, that's literally a global village. On Facebook's page, they have the, the, the map of the world with the lines yeah. connecting yeah. everyone. Yeah. So they're literally yeah. connecting like the global village. Yeah. And then uh, now it's Instagram. And I hear people Every, every day um instagram is never going away it's a big new thing and yeah. it looks that way because it, it it's coming out with so many features pictures are the way you don't have to read anymore like twitter so it's true logically speaking it sounds right but i guarantee whenever we're older and then there are younger people around they're gonna be like what's instagram yeah we're, yeah we're gonna remember that it was it was massive yeah it, it's 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 interesting though because you know you mentioned you know we're talking about myspace and then we're talking about facebook Mm. i i I think it's interesting because facebook has has absolutely been been topped by i mean it's pretty clear that it's it's either been topped by instagram or or it's it's instagram's just at that point you know Mm. what i mean um 
But um, I think it's interesting now because I think Facebook has kind of become almost something like a business card in a way. Like it's like, oh yeah, here's my Facebook account. Indeed. You know what I mean? Whereas like Instagram is where like a lot of the quote unquote real stuff happens, you know, like where people really get to see a snippet of your life and what you're doing on a daily mm. basis, what you ate, um, you know, what place you visited, who you're hanging out with at the moment. You know, it's a very like moment by moment, you know, medium. And I think that's interesting because people think, you know, like you said, that it's, it's, you know, it's like it's never going away. But, Indeed. you know, it might it might, you know, there might come come a point. Well, there probably will come a point where it becomes kind of like a footnote, um, you know. Absolutely. But yeah, and especially when you consider with Facebook, you know, in recent years has been wrought with scandals yes. with, you know, data breaching and all that stuff. And then Russian scandals and all of that. And Mark Zuckerberg not being really a, a great person in the sense <laughs> of, uh, you know, a lot more things have seemed to kind of come out about him as far as his just mm. kind of awfulness. <laughs> but, Absolutely. You know, yeah. But uh, yeah. Mm. We, we we got to Facebook and then you mentioned the the information breaches and then potential selling of um, information beyond just yeah, cookies yeah. registered. Yeah. And that that seems a lot like the 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 move that these authoritarian states sure happen, right? Not the government, but our private industry. So in our attempt to enable capitalism, yeah, but sort of having the Atlas supporting that capitalism, right? So we still have the the government supporting the free market. That's not that has a lot of restrictions on it for good reason, right? Uh, sure, yeah. But so we have that sort of mixed economy. But even within that economy, we have the sort of social economy and the 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 fiat money within it, mm -hmm. like selling of information. And the more powerful you are, the more accounts you have, the more potential IP address cookies. You can you can sell. So even if you don't give their name or their birthday or any of their personal information, their their searches, their their how they navigate through the social media, sure. that still gives them power. They can um, and I say they I don't like using this ambivalent term, but, right. but uh, providers and and companies that purchase these cookies and um, metadata and and Internet uh, goings on from the 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 people's accounts on the the networks they can easily find out by location uh by frequent searches who the person is yeah right definitely. so it's it's not that hard of a thing like we see it all the time with um anonymous Shia LaBeouf I think uh uh posted a video of a flag um that was hanging um for liberty and then he just had it pointed up at the flag, so nothing was available. But um, some some hackers, some hacktivists from Anonymous and from other organizations, analyzed the wind patterns, the cloud types, the wow. birds, the frog sounds, huh. and easily found out where it could happen. And that's surreal life. Whereas our metadata is completely stored, uploaded whenever we're surfing the web. Sure. And it's tagged to our IP. So even if you shift around your IP, we only have the surface of the iceberg on the internet, uh, let alone whenever we go into the deep and then the dark web. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really fascinating in a way because I don't, you know, 
I mean, you know, you can talk about like 1984, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I don't think anybody saw it, saw the kind of um, complete lack of privacy. Like, I, I don't think they saw the form that it was going to take. Yes. yes. You know, I mean, when you think about the fact that um, the idea of even having privacy is kind of laughable mm-hmm. now, really, I mean, no yes. one lives a private life anymore. Um, and um, it's kind of funny. There, There's a... Um, a musician, um, St. Vincent, she was mm-hmm. being interviewed. This is like probably about four or five years ago. She's being interviewed and, and they were kind of sort of talking about the stuff that we're talking about now. And she said something along the lines of, I think in the future, um, like the very elite, mm-hmm. what, the very, you know, the, 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 the top of the heap uh, people will be able to afford complete privacy. Like that's going to become like the luxury you know like Mm. being like um because what you really do uh online i mean it's this thing that i kind of keep going back and forth uh back and forth within my head it's like yeah you know on one hand you know you can make a tweet and it can be a problematic tweet and then tomorrow your career's over but then on Mm. the other hand it's like well how do we know you know, how permanent that data actually is, you know, absolutely. because there's so many things that just get lost in the creation of data. You know, I mean, now, you know, you mentioned metadata earlier, and, you know, the better the meta, the better the metadata, the better the information is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're so inundated with just this virtual junk, you know, that's yes. it's um, it's so hard to. uh to kind of know what's worth preserving basically, you know, mm. and not to mention it's, you know, when you're grappling with that idea, along with the idea of uh, having a modicum of privacy, you know, it's just kind of crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and you said it best that no one ever notices whenever the authoritarian yeah. regime, as it's, it's not like one day it's, it's a full fledged Republic. Like we are, right. you know, Democratic Republic. And then the next day, martial laws declared for no reason yeah. whatsoever. And yeah. you know, like it's far easier to control the, the individuals, um, the constituents as masses who had liberty, right? You have to slowly indoctrinate, slowly socialize sure. generations to start not knowing these liberties. Sure. So, so we think we have a right to free speech. It's not one day you no longer have the right to free speech. It's that there's slow limitations to this free speech. Sure. Slow, slow, slow until it's it's just no longer said in school. Right. Because once you have socialized, right, or rather the abs. So action versus inaction. Once you don't tell about the liberty, once you, the only reason people get mad about the Second Amendment. Uh-huh. Is because they feel they have the right to bear arms. So taking away a right that I that I have been indoctrinated with makes me feel as though it's an ad hominem. You're attacking my personage. You're not attacking my right. You're attacking me as an individual. Okay. And what I can believe, you're 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 subjugating my belief. So it's not the fact that your guns will be taken away. Because if you never had this right, this so-called inalienable right, right, then if it's ever alienated, if the government ever came out and there was no such thing as a Second Amendment, oh, we're going to increase 
gun gun regulations and everything, no one would care. Yeah. No one would care at all. Because right. they'd be like, okay, okay, I mean, I have guns, but there's no constitutional right. Because we always hold to the Constitution. Of course. And it, yeah. we, we only read the part that we want to read of the Constitution, whereas we don't read the part about forming a militia and then in order to overthrow the government that is potentially not best for us. Right. But you can't prop up the government um, that you're also sort of demeaning in the same vein. Right? Okay. So yeah. in, in one sentence, you'll say, I have the right supported by the government through the Constitution to bear arms. And then whenever the government says, okay, we're, we're reducing these rights a little bit. Mm -hmm. You're saying, no, I have the right to bear arms. But the one who you're arguing with is the one who gave you the right to bear arms. That's like having a car from your parents and your parents grounding you and taking away the car. And you say, no, I was given this car as a gift. Whenever you're talking to the person who gave you the gift of the car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a little bit more complex than that. Yeah, but sure. Sure. It's it's around the the same degree of flexibility that the Second Amendment holds. Obviously it it's complex and of course, yeah. In places like Switzerland, where nearly the entire population has guns and there are far less shootings comparatively, right? And it's not a it's not a relative claim, right? Switzerland, the people in Switzerland are not different from the people in America. We're all human. Uh, everyone has tendencies. But whenever, whenever a country has nearly ubiquitous gun owning amongst adults, sure. and there are far less um, school shootings, far less um, mass shootings, right? There, there's something in the bylaws that... That tells us, and Switzerland's not an authoritarian state. Yeah, there's nothing different. They still have democracy, a republic, everything. Yeah, right, right, right. They still have a representative body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you, you made me really think of something. Uh, you, you made me kind of look at like the whole school shooting thing in a different way. I, I do you mean so? Okay. And I'm going to try my best to mm. word this as best as possible. Do you mean like, so do you think that because Americans, what you mentioned earlier, mm. what have this kind of like this, this, this ad hominem reaction to the debate of the second of, mm -hmm. of, 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 of gun control? Mm. Do you think that that anger fuels more shootings? I, I, I think, I think the, the sentiment. Okay. Uh, just enables people to sort of stockpile guns and not and okay. not recognize okay. the, the it's sort of going back to the first episode in which Nehemiah and I talked about Lucy Rigorate not recognizing the the difference or the issues in one's own home, but looking at the whole picture without understanding the individual grain or pixels of the picture. So it's worrying about the bigger problem. Well, if they're going to take away my guns, I'm going to stockpile as many guns as possible. Okay. Not recognizing that one's someone in one's home is is feeling deceit, is is depressed, maybe having um, some problems at school and talking about lashing out, doing things that would resemble the mentality. Oh. So instead of 
okay. locking up your guns. You're you're sharing all of these things with your children because in Switzerland, yes, everyone's required to have guns, but you have to pass these tests to prove that you're psychologically fit, right? And Switzerland also doesn't have this thing where they simply call people crazy and then throw them into sure. uh, the equivalent of sanitariums. That they they don't do this. Sure, they they acknowledge that everyone is different, and then. The only thing that makes people normal is the conformity to society. And so they don't sell these people who may have depression guns, but that's for their own benefit as well. And then the okay. government enables the sale of guns. So whenever something like that happens, it's the government takes full responsibility as a direct result of enabling those cells. Whereas in the United States, it's the individual proprietor um, who, pur who purchases the 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 weapon who is at fault and then perhaps the 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 salesman or the saleswoman who sells them the weapon okay in which yes wow wow okay yeah, yeah. that that i i never really um thought about it that way before but i mean that 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 um that makes a lot of sense you know mm. and then not you know not to mention I think the United States is, I think we're, I want to say like we're the highest country or the, um, the country with like the highest rates of depression, I want mm. to say too. Mm. When you factor that in as well, I mean, we definitely have a mental health crisis Indeed. for sure. Um, which is interesting because you, you, you would think that we would, we would take more time to kind of focus on, on, on mental health, but you know. Then I have to wonder if that's the result of living in a highly capitalistic Indeed. society. It's all about the individualism. Right. Um, yeah. Never the communalism. Right. So like in, in reading things fall apart. So where if you kill um, an elder, you're, you're not simply committing murder. You are destroying a part of a village. So not even um, communism, but communalism, because that person is integral to the village in and of itself not as a okay. cog that helps operate because the elder works very little but as a, a story holder as as an individual who has the right to exist you interesting you take a life okay you take a part of the community the community is the whole and individuals are constituents right still able to have their own happiness but the happiness of the community it's it's not where you want to support a nuclear family and say other forms of family are abominations. It's where supporting the community supports yourself because you are a representative as right. well as everyone else. So it's the greater good for the community while acknowledging the members as individuals. So it's from the bottom up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas we think about the, the, the people in the United States as statistics, as masses, and then it's like, well, if if this guy is quote crazy, we'll we'll take him out, and then the rest of society will be fine. But the other people there are are simply able to to adjust the, the, their performance, right? Garfinkel, the the dutiful performance um, to maintain the society, right? The cohesiveness. Okay. So it's just it's everyone's performing. It's just one person is unable or unwilling to perform, so they're removed. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So once it's, and then unfortunately, the the most obvious way to find someone who doesn't fit is after it's too late, after the shooting, then we know, oh, this person, even though they were able to fully conform with society, they they were still unwell, mentally speaking. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then then people start regressing and saying, oh, he was or she was kind of weird. And whenever it's not even the case, you're trying to propagate a stereotype of, yes, this person had mental health issues and they were evident. So if someone's like this, then you should uh, really like start um, pushing them to get help. Right. But instead, we go to the vein of, oh, this person's weird. Talk about it but never address it, never talk with them, talk about them, not recognizing them as subjects, right, but right. the object, the, the object that want, that should be pushed, the abject. So they are, they are a part of the body. They are the vomit of society. They are right. just the, the waste that needs to be put aside. And until you recognize this, you, you might as well be a blood cell in a vein. But once you're not, then you're cancer. Wow. But at the same, and, but but at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, someone who you know maybe a little odd, exactly that hasn't done anything yet. Nothing. Instead, instead of you, you know, you you mentioned something that's kind of just crazy to me. Instead of just you know, instead of trying to not so much get to this person, mm-hmm. but maybe get to know this person yes. a little bit. It's just they're just kind of pushed aside and that just leads to, you know, that means more isolation. Isolation leads to more depression and depression ultimately, unfortunately leads to desperation. Indeed. And, and then, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, I don't, whenever people are listening to this, I don't want them to think that depressed people are the ones that commit mass shootings. Perhaps, uh, some people who commit mass shootings are depressed, but depressed people don't commit mad mass shootings. Yeah, it's it's like right. there are some people who are who are under psychological analysis. What we would consult uh, consider the status quo. Yeah, who still commit mass shootings. There are other reasons. Sometimes people literally just want to prove a power dynamic to Michel Foucault. They don't want to be a part of the masses. They they want to be the individual. Sure. Recognition through infamy instead of fame. It's it sure. happens. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. There, there are just some things that are inexplicable. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really fascinating. Uh, you know. And it's weird. It, it you know, like we're kind of talking a little bit about authoritarianism mm. and, you know, and, and how the government implements control and what you were saying earlier about this kind of, you know, slow kind of, you know, like changing the narrative, changing, mm-hmm. you know, how people like, like, like indoctrinating people to believe a certain thing to the point where, you know, what, you know, some perceived liberty, mm. you know, at one time, it's not even really going to be like a distant memory. Because, you know, people won't, people have been so indoctrinated to believe a certain thing. I mean, where do you, where do you, and this is something that, that I think about a lot, because, 
I'm a big Roman Empire fan or just like Roman history fan. I always have been um, mm-hmm. ever since I was a teenager. I just I, I really, really loved the Romans and what mm-hmm. they did. I mean, they were vicious and they were cruel, but Absolutely. they did a lot of really amazing things with their society. You know, and I, I'm not going to bring any comparisons between Roman America because I think people, so many people <laughs> yes. have done that just over and over and over again. But something that I think about a lot, and I, I want to ask you about this, like, wh- wh- how do you, where do you think that this is going to go in our country? For like, for example, like what we're living in in right mm-hmm. now, a lot of people see it as kind of the beginning steps of the, this kind of like disintegration. Uh, yes. You yeah, know, yeah. of democracy, of having a representative body, well, maybe not necessarily having a representative body, but there's just kind of disintegration of like liberty. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about the direction that we're going in as far as that? as far as that's concerned. Yeah, okay. So (laughs) people, that's a great question. People often um, address history as though we we moved away from it. I I talk to people all the time. They're like, oh, that was primitive and we're in the modern era. Sure. But we we exhibit traits found in history because we're human. Of course. It's not in 10,000 years, we don't evolve to some magical plane of existence where we're all uh, bodhisattvas. You know, we're not, we're not the Buddha. Uh, right, 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 right. So when when I think about our regression, so we have the reactionary. So we're regressing back to a state that's most comfortable that we can be complicit with because having, having all these freedoms, some people, there's a point at which freedom is, is it fills you with anxiety. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, like having having complete freedom. Whenever I was working during um, winter, I was working at a place where I used to work whenever I was in high school. And I was doing a video project for them because I'm a videographer. And literally the the CEO of the company told me, oh, make your own schedule. Do whatever you want. Yeah, here's the guidelines for the video. I finished all the videos in one week because sure. I made my own schedule. I had three more weeks to work and I did not know how to deal with it. I, I was... I rarely feel stress or anxiety, but because I was not locked in and I didn't get them to sign a contract or anything, sort of a constitution between myself, the person or the people yeah. with the the authority, I did not know how to reconcile it. So I would just pretend like I was working. So I kept myself in line, sort of like a panopticon, right? Right. So right. I, I kept myself in line and I feel like that's what we're doing with liberty. So whenever we have all these freedoms, all these liberties, we're moving towards a place where, well, since I'm already keeping myself in line, it would be better if the, if the powers that be just establish where my, where my line is okay. instead of me as the individual. Cause I might, I might be a good person and establish a line here, but Jerry over there, Jerry, Jerry's an anarchist and that man's going to kill people if we have this many freedoms. And he's just going to say it's self-defense. Right, 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 so right. I want the government to establish so I know I'm safe, right? The, the what is it? The contract, the- uh, Social contract. Social contract. Yeah. yeah. That I, yeah. I the, the one reason why I'm here, it's always this thinking that we consider archaic, right? That, that is prevalent, that is basically imbued in humanity. We want to protect ourselves. We have this ethic of care. So I want to protect my family. I am in my family as well. I don't want to die. Well, yeah. not, not just because- I want to be around to protect my family personally, 
without any family. That's why people often say, or I hear, I hear some people who may be right swinging, may not be, but some people who are extremely conservative who say, what is the point of living if you are homeless? And then it's, it's the fact that humans amongst all animals have hold self-preservation. So if there is going to be rules, you want rules that guarantee your personal protection, regardless right. of abilities. I don't care if I can speak aloud about my personal belief system. I don't care if I am forced to, to worship a false god in my own doctrine, right? I'll do the orthopraxy and then just disregard the orthodoxy, right? I will act out in compliance with the government, but as long as I am not at risk of being harmed, okay, yeah. right? So that's that's how I feel that we're moving. As, as long as I and the ones that I care about, the ones that I love are, are able to be protected, right? Then, okay, I won't have a car. I'll work in a government facility. I won't make money. I'll eat rations uh, because it's better than before whenever I was homeless, right? Because we, we uh, the, usually the authority doesn't address the richest of the, the one percenters. They address the lowest of the society. They go to the, the theoretical original position that John Rawls talks about, yeah. where, where you imagine yourself as the lowest member of society and you create or you imagine yourself as no one and you could be the lowest member or you could be the highest member. And then usually it equals redistribution of wealth in order to make sure that the lowest member of society can be at a sustainable level in which they, they will be safe. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like that's where, that's why even though fascism and communism are at opposite ends of the spectrum, they, they, they attempt to accomplish the same thing, guaranteeing, right. Whether it be a complete free market with government control of everything else or government control of everything itself. They make sure that they tell the majority, who's usually the impoverished, that they're going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. And then that's how you yeah. coerce people. Yeah. Forget about the rich people because they will still be in power, right? Even though it's a communism where everyone's equal, the, the ones who are running the, this system are, are, are still going to be the, the highest people Yo, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's funny that you say that because, you know, uh, in Soviet Union, you know, Stalin and mm -hmm. his inner circle, um, they were, you know, well, first of all, during the purges, killing thousands and thousands of people, mm -hmm. um, you know, but like what you were saying, uh, Joseph Stalin you know, would make these kind of speeches, you know, and he kind of presented himself as this like fatherly figure. He was there to take care mm -hmm. of you and, and all those things. But those guys were, they were, they, you know, they, they espoused communist ideology. Right. Mm -hmm. But really in all honesty, I mean, they were living like Kings. Indeed. I mean, um, you know, there's a book that a guy named uh, Simon Sabag Montefiore wrote called the court of the red czar. And it's about mm -hmm. Stalin. I mean, there's a reason why he called him the Red Czar. Mm. I mean, that's what he was. He wasn't like this, you know, he, he wasn't living as a, pro, a proletariat should live, right? Yes. I mean, he was still, you know, he was still surrounded by riches, surrounded by wealth, surrounded by mm. great food, whereas most of his population was pretty much starving, you know, or 
you know, living a very, very meager existence. Absolutely. You know, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it's just, uh, it's crazy. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you as, as to where things might be heading. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we have kind of started down a bad path. Um you know, and and I I don't think that Donald Trump was necessarily the beginning of absolutely not of it. Um, I think it's been in the works for quite mm-hmm. some time. I think it's now just starting to show. Yes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, and I think um, I think the the one of the things that 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 gets me is like, you know, people think that as soon as he gets out of office. Things are just going to go back to normal (laughs) and we're all going to be good and everything's. But I mean, he's kind of set a precedent, really. I Mm -hmm. mean, as far as just, you know, I mean, you know, um, the left is going to have their Trump, of course. And there's going to be many other Trumps, you know, I I think anyway. Yeah. You know, and um, I don't know. It's just uh, it's scary to think about. And I try not to think about it too much because I mean, I I do because I want to think about it, but at the same time, I'm, I it, it it does get a little uh, absolutely disheartening, absolutely. I guess, because you know you do realize um, that life is just like a series of cages, essentially. Mm, you know, mm, yeah, you break out of one cage and you find yourself in another one, and it just kind of keeps yeah yeah yeah. And then it was often during like the Red Scare, sure, and communism. It was the imperialism of mother russia oh going yeah, yeah, to yeah. everywhere spreading communism so eventually we have uh crises in what's modern day myanmar and then yeah all through cyan and uh which is vietnam and uh thailand cambodia yeah. there but then we forget the protectorate status that the united states held which was in uh haiti and all throughout the caribbean sure and then africa as well uh, so it's the, the spread of both did not help the world status no, at all, no, but it, it, it just expounds the, the potential of large sweeping authoritarian ships. There's a, there's a, there's a great book that I finished about a month ago and it was called, um, uh, Iron Curtain, um, the crushing of Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And it basically goes from like a little bit before. For the end of World War II to about 1956. And it basically just talks about um, how um, how the Soviet Union basically kind of uh, overtook Eastern Europe. You know, the three um, the, the three countries that uh, Ann Applebaum's the the author, the three countries that she talks about is uh, uh, Poland, Hungary and uh, East Germany. OK. And. Um, the thing that blew my mind was how they had every aspect of society completely under their control. I mean, they, I mean, they thought out every little thing. Um, you know, one example, you know, of course, one obvious example was the complete takeover of, of, of media. Another example was uh, after World War II, there was a lot of youth organizations that popped up. Mm. to kind of like help try to rebuild Europe. It was young people that would literally make these organizations and clubs essentially. Mm. And they would try to rally people together to try to rebuild their homes essentially. Absolutely. And it was a great, great thing. I mean, people, I mean, they, they did a lot of good, 
Well, when the Soviet Union started encroaching upon Eastern Europe, eventually, you know, at first they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, know, you can have your clubs. But even these clubs that did so much good eventually came under the control of the Soviet Union. It came to a point where you weren't even allowed to Absolutely. have these youth organizations, you know. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Um, um, but. But yeah. Yeah. Well, cow to bell, sir. <laughs> we we appreciate having you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. No um, at all. I really do appreciate it. This has been a blast. Um, yeah. We got to talk Absolutely. about some really cool stuff. So. Yeah. I learned some stuff. Yeah. I addressed some things. We were going to talk about Baruch, Baruch, yes. Spinoza, but then we realized we don't have three hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's a yeah, he's he's a pretty complex uh character. So indeed. Yeah. So next episode we'll have Nehemiah back and then we'll try to get Kyle DeBell to join us one more time. I'd love to uh, do that, yeah. So we'll get him back. And Definitely. then we'll we'll talk about other things. We won't just talk about history. Sure. But as Nehemiah said, this is not a punishment. You learn something. <laughs> you, may, maybe you won't be so easily oppressed next time. Uh and you just won't believe what the government tells you yes so we're not conspiracy theorists no not the slightest we just look at history okay right. it's in defense of humanity thanks for being with us and we'll see you next time